Welcome to Naples Talk Radio. Naples Talk Radio is a podcast where you go behind the scenes with the local community leaders to hear stories about how they are influencing and changing your Southwest Florida community. I'm your host, Mark Matos. This episode is part two of the conversation with Van Ellison. After we finished the initial interview, the conversation was so interesting, I decided right on the spot that we needed to produce a second episode. Basically, Van Ellison is a free market capitalist, and he believes in using free market principles to end the serious issue of poverty and homelessness within the Naples community and beyond. This should make for an extremely interesting listen. Ben Ellison, welcome back to Naples Talk Radio. How are you today? Very good. It's always good to be with you. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, St. Matthew's House. And I, I know that you've kind of taken a unique approach in the nonprofit world by having free market solutions to address a major issue in the community, which is home and homelessness. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I came to St. Matthew's House in 2004. And at that time, 10% of our budget was de- derived from uh, the government. And the other 90%, almost all of that, was from donor dollars. And we were a fragile organization that didn't have the capacity to really weather some storms. And so we started really focusing on what could we do to manage our operation in a way that would make a difference in the world. And that if it, the economy became bad, how could we survive it? And so in 04, we started a course to launch a couple of businesses in a more aggressive and thoughtful manner. The first was our thrift operation. So you chose businesses as opposed to an endowment. Correct. We see the average endowment right now in America will generate just under 2% return on investment. Where the free market system, there is no limit to how well a business can do. So we rented a storefront, and eventually we bought a storefront. And so we went from a one thrift store to now we have six. And those thrift stores, what we did was we created jobs, we created training opportunities, and we created a reliable revenue stream. One of my concerns was in 04, the people who needed us the most were the most fragile and had the least resources. If the economy went bad, in 04, it was great. In 05, it was just booming. But if the economy went bad, those people were going to be in a very fragile, vulnerable state. And that happened very quickly. And it did happen. I remember that. By then, we had two thrift stores going. And we were working on getting our third thrift store. And so our whole focus was that our thrift operation could take a low... um, low-risk investment, buy a truck or rent a truck, begin to chart how we would do retail business from a thrift business in a way that would give us training opportunities and provide a revenue stream. When the economy went down, it turned out that thrift stores were more valuable than ever. When your family needs a sofa and the economy's booming, you just go buy it somewhere. When the economy's bad, having a thrift store to go to and look for a bargain when we needed the money the most, the thrift stores began to pay dividends for us. So it was actually counter-cyclical, which actually was more helpful to your mission during the market downturn. Right. We've, we found that we wanted to have a way to manage in a downturn where we could continue to grow. A lot of organizations, not-for-profits, all over the country started closing, cutting services in the downturn in the economy. 
our need was greater and we were in a position where we could actually expand services. So during the downturn, we actually were in a growth pattern. And that happened because the free markets understanding how to operate business for a greater purpose. Um, we believe God's purpose to redeem the broken and to take homeless people off the streets is a, is a priceless privilege. And so we were able, in a down economy, to continue to grow and expand our mission, to increase our capacity, to provide more job training opportunities. And so we focused on the thrift stores and our catering business. We launched a catering business my first day at work at St. Matthew's House. And we were founded on a passage that where Jesus said to his disciples, when you feed the hungry, it's like feeding him. He said, whatever you do to least of these you've done unto me. And my first meal at St. Matthew's House in 2004 was so awful, I thought this would serve as evidence against me at the final judgment. We've got to do better than this. <laughs> That's <laughs> so terrible. It is, but it was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to eat this stuff. And so I thought, we need a really professional chef. We can't afford that. Well, we have a commercial kitchen. We have people who live in our shelter. Who and have, the food's good. And as the, a matter of fact, the food today I've is great. I've had your catering before. There, our food today yeah. is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, we launched a catering business. We hired a professional chef with three primary goals. One, he had to generate enough money through the catering business to cover the cost of our feeding operation. Second, he had to always be mentoring at least five people, training people who needed job skills, We would use guys like you. Mark, you want to do a party? You hire us to cater it. Well, we're going to be training people, to, and they're going to have attention to detail as we're training people in food service so that they can chart a course to their own independence and their own future. And then the third focus was we had to have the best shelter food in America. So today, I love eating at St. Matthew's House. We serve great food to the people we're called to. We have a great catering service. We always are recognized in the community as an outstanding caterer. We do a lot of high-end events. We do everything from a Port Royal party at $100 a plate down to little church socials and things like that. And that catering business, today we have nine full-time people. Most of those are chef trainers. They're training people at our LaBelle facility and here in Naples um, on how to work in the food service business. They use our mission meals as we're preparing to serve the poor. That's the foundation work for developing culinary skills. And then catering as we prepare for an event, that's the next level up. Somebody's doing well with the mission meals. We now include more culinary training in a catering event. And so today we have a partnership where we work with Starbucks. We have a couple of coffee shops where we train baristas as well. So we're training people in food service. You take a single mom coming to us without the capacity to support her kids, she can become a barista and begin to have a workable wage, get hired by Starbucks where she gets great benefits and uh, college scholarships. We believe that the free market can help her chart a course to independence for her family, but it means somebody investing and looking at her as valuable and helping to equip her right where she is to be uh, an income earner very quickly. Today, more than 70% of our budget is generated through the free market system, through our social enterprises. None of it is generated through government dollars. The government-funded programs in the social services manage how you care for the poor with a dictate from Washington or Tallahassee. We believe our community does a better job understanding and meeting the needs of the poor we serve 
than Washington would. If, if your son or daughter needed help, you wouldn't call Congress and ask, what do we do to change their life? You would come up with solutions locally, and people that know that child the best, well, we believe that locally is the way to do it. So the closer it is to the problem, the more likely you are to get a solution. It's classical Austrian economics. Absolutely. Frederick von Hayek, right? Absolutely. Price is the ultimate indicator, and the businessman knows it the best. Absolutely. Well, this is, you know, the I, I loved, I was a political science major years ago, and you look at the forms of government, the free market democratic form of government that we have that allows you to chart your course has created more opportunities to get people out of poverty than any government program and any socialist regime anywhere. When you look at free markets, when you look at the way this works, we can make a difference. And so we're pretty radical about our belief that God loves people and that the free markets and the American system works best when we do it, not when the government does. Um, You know, the government isn't really good at loving people. And when a homeless person comes to us, we want to provide love and discipline and structure in a real way so their life can be changed. Governments don't do that. Governments can protect our borders or put an army out on the battlefield. Um, I'm not real good at those kind of things. They have their role and their place. But what happens is tax dollars come with some central planner trying to manage a local problem, and it has never worked. So some examples of that are like foreign countries, right? Absolutely. So if you look at any socialist country on earth, they tend to fail. Yeah, a good example of Venezuela. You know, because I have an interest and a passion for poverty and for those who are in poverty and trapped by it, I look at socialist countries that have the promise if we could take the wealthy and give those resources to the poor, we would elevate the condition of the poor. We don't see that working anywhere in the world. You see countries like Venezuela and Cuba, um, those places have such natural resources and such capacity, the oil reserves and the natural resources in Venezuela. When they elected Hugo Chavez and he started seizing the wealth of the wealthy for the benefit of the poor, he created a poverty class that was dependent on the government instead of gaining their own independence. We believe the free market allows somebody to gain independence so they can chart a course that works for them, that they believe in is right. I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I want to be able to take my kids to church on Sunday and, and be able to spend our money the way we want. When I begin to be beholden to a government system that charts my course, all of a sudden it doesn't take your faith away, but your freedom begins to go. And they don't, they don't um, today have a better country and more wealth, they still have the natural resources. But Venezuela is in the throes of revolution and poverty because socialism has destroyed a vibrant economy. Those countries which are going to more of an American capitalist system, um, Colombia is booming today. And in part because they rejected some of the socialist ideas and they started giving people independent and um, opportunities so that they could grow and develop. There are, there are great successes all over the world. Uh, in Africa, Rwanda is a free market government where uh, you see the uh, Rwanda is uh, really thriving in Africa. Many African countries are very socialist, very central controlled, and it ends up being the government um, functioning for its own preservation and its own benefit, not for the benefit of the people. You know, it, you bring up an interesting point in, in your solution. Really, it kind of amazes me. 
a lot of our young people in this country today, they have a belief that uh, transfer of wealth from the wealthy to those who are not is the way of the future. They believe that socialism is the answer. But essentially, you're, you're dealing with a population now. And perhaps many of these people have not received the education that they should have because capitalism requires a high level of education. It requires an understanding of values, requires a family to teach those values where you teach a man a fish right. as opposed to just giving them a fish. And, you know, that that kind of reminds me of, you know, you're giving these people the opportunity to understand capitalism and how it works. And you believe that's the way to make them successful. Tell me about some success stories. Well, we see it all the time. People come to us with, with no hope, no future. Um, one of the guys that's... Uh, good friend and I just think the world of him came to us a broken drug addict um, looking for food from our soup kitchen and got into our program our Justin's place our our year-long structured drug and alcohol recovery program it's faith-based it's very structured it's very real world there's learning opportunities and job challenges throughout the program to give them the skills they need well, as they track through that program, toward the end of it, they begin to be placed in jobs. 100% of the people that come to us, drug addicted, when they get through the seventh month, we're now hiring them all and continuing their job training so that uh, career becomes part of their recovery. They learn that by getting a job, by managing your money right, you can begin to save. Well, we now have literally dozens of folks. Adam, who works for us, came to us three years ago, homeless and drug addicted. Today, he's in a leadership role and has bought his first house. That happens in a free market system, not with a government uh, benefit or a government program or being given property. He bought a house and is remodeling it. Would that help him? If, for instance, if the government had given him those resources, would that have helped his situation? Well, you know, I look at it like this. People have to have some sense of investment for it to have a value. Um, years ago, one of my sons um, was insistent on getting his one thing he wanted more than anything was a cell phone. And he was 12 or 13. And so for his birthday, he got a cell phone. By the end of that day, he had taken this, this gift we had given him and he had lost it. And so as our family works, we'll give you a gift for Christmas or your birthday or whatever, but you're responsible. So we said, okay, you can have a cell phone, but you're going to have to buy it from now on. And so we made him work and buy a cell phone. Well, now my kids are now 17, 18, 19, and 21. All four of our kids have bought their own car. They value and take care of their car um, could my wife and I probably come up with the money to buy them a car? Probably. But we don't help them by just giving them everything. When they buy it, when they earn it, there's a sense of pride. There's a sense of, I can manage this. If I die today, my kids will be equipped to manage their future because we've taught them how to manage their money, how to provide for themselves. We believe even at a low-wage job, with the right support, the right structure, you can begin to chart your own course to independence. That means getting a job. That means getting the opportunity to, um, to buy a house, to buy a car, to use the resources that are available to you. you sure, you've got to be creative, but a determined person. Uh, one of my favorite stories, I'll just 
tell you the story. We had a lady that came into the shelter who was about eight months pregnant or seven and a half months pregnant. And one of our jobs in the homeless shelter is help people get jobs. She had a two-year-old son, and, and she was seven and a half months pregnant. And so our policy is people in the shelter have to get a job. And the staff came to me and said, okay, we really can't make her get a job. I mean, she's seven and a half months pregnant. And I, and I said, it's more important that she gets a job than anybody else because she's about to have two children to support. And if we just help her get government benefits, she's just going to be stuck in this system where I'm staying home taking care of kids, and she needs to be able to chart her own course. And so we sat down with her and talked to her about the responsibility of being a young mother. She was 19 years old. And so she went to the mall and was walking around and very pregnant and I, w- I thought as we sent her off, maybe we aren't real nice because you're making a seven and a half month old or seven and a half month pregnant lady look for a job. And so she came back later that first day and said, I got a job. And I said, how did you do it? And she said, well, I sat there at the mall and I was discouraged. And I looked at this one store and I realized the staff there, they didn't care. They weren't paying attention. People were coming and going. And so I walked in. I said, is the manager here? And they said, well, the owner's in back. And she went to the owner and said, you're going to lose your business unless you hire me. And your people don't care. She, and, he's, and, you know, he looked at her stomach and looked at her. And, and he said, well, you know, how reliable are you going to be? She said, I care because I have kids that need me. Now, I'll, I'll turn your store around. If you want to save your business, hire somebody like me to make a difference. Well, she got hired that day because she was determined to care for her family. Well, I couldn't have been more proud. Now, we had a donor that same year who um, passed away and left us their car. So I'm not saying you do it all by yourself because what we did is she was pushing a stroller with a baby to the bus stop to go take her child to daycare so she could go to work. Well, we were able through the kindness of a donor to be able to give this mom and her two sons a car so that she could reliably get them to and from work and she could take care of her family and didn't have to be pushing the kids in a stroller in a in rainy season. We were able to give her some resources. So she could be in control but, of her own destiny. But what we did is we gave her resources to augment the success she was already getting not to compensate for her failures or her struggles. We gave her a better opportunity to succeed. That's our strategy is we want to equip people to succeed, not compensate or reward struggles, but we want to, somebody who's putting forth an effort, we'll meet them halfway. We'll minister to them and see that they're strengthened, that they can chart a better course for their future. Finn Allison, thank you so much for coming out and visiting with me today. Thank you. It's always good to be with you. Thank you for listening to Naples Talk Radio.